Welcome to the Careers Hacks podcast. My name is Lawrence Casey and I'm one of the Careers Services Advisors with the UQ Bell Employability Team. We find opportunities for students, gain experiences in the workplace, connect you with industry through networking and events and boost your confidence through practical workshops and develop your career plan. In this podcast series, we speak to a range of industry professionals and students. We gain valuable insights from them on their career journey and discuss employability topics that are relevant in today's fast-paced and agile world of work. The Careers Hacks podcast gives you an opportunity to listen to their stories. Thank you very much for tuning in today to the Bell's Career Hacks podcast. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying the, the series and I've got a bit of a treat for you today. I've got an old friend of mine, Victoria Limerick. Uh, Victoria is an alumni of the business school and uh, she's here today to talk about her journey and I guess to share some tips and some tricks um, that she's learned along the way and uh, to give you some advice as to things that you need to consider and think about when you're actually trying to start out your own career journey as well. So thank you very much for coming in, Victoria. Um, look, we'll jump straight into it, hey? So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I've known you for a while. The listeners have not. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional history? Sure. Um, I graduated um, high school some time ago. Um, straight from high school, I did a business management degree with UQ. Um, from there, upon graduating, I did some work in HR, went overseas for about three and a half years, further work in HR and some admin roles, and then decided perhaps I wanted to do a law degree. So I came back to Brisbane and embarked on that journey. Sure. And for you, just as an aside, with the travelling overseas, how important do you think that was for you? to kind of figure out what you were wanting to do? I think really important. Um, when I graduated my business degree, I was still living at home. Um, you know, you're quite reliant on your parents and all those sorts of things. So getting out there and being independent, I think it really, and, and fighting for yourself, moving out of home, getting a job that's in your career, um, having an understanding as to how the world works, it really gives you a different um, thought process. Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. So in terms of that time overseas as well, was that sort of what were you doing while you were there? What sort of roles did you have? I was doing HR and admin work. I was doing contract work. So you kind of get what you can get. While you're doing the backpacking yeah, gig. That's right. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, a bit of HR, bit of admin, bit of a mix. Yeah, okay, brilliant. So you were mentioning earlier, you, you came back to do a law degree. Uh, I'm assuming, and I don't want to offend, you came back as a mature age student. So what made you come back and choose to do an intensive degree like law? Um, my time in HR, I was always wanting to know the background as to why we did what we did. So perhaps the three strike rule or probationary periods of three months, six months, 12 months. And I'd ask you know, my seniors, well, why? Why do we do three strikes? Or why is the probationary period three months and not six months for this person? And the answer was always, well, that's just the policy. That's the way we do things here. But it was never because, you know, government mandate or legislation. It was never those answers. So I thought, well, if no one can tell me, well, I'll go figure it out myself. So I decided to do law. I always thought I'd end up an industrial relations lawyer, but that's not the case. Yeah. So where did you end up? Family law. Okay. Surprisingly for me, yeah. um, I always said to myself in my undergrad, I would never be a criminal lawyer or a family lawyer, but I wouldn't change it for the world now. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess I've got a follow-up question for that. Out of, I come from a background in sort of the welfare space, and I have a small appreciation of the types of cases that you would be dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, they're fairly grueling 
sort of cases that you would be dealing with. What drew you to family law and drew you away from, I guess, the initial thought process of going into industrial relations? Um, industrial relations is um, quite reliant and on paper-based matters, whereas family law is quite client-focused. So uh, there's a lot of ad- advocacy in it as well, which I quite enjoy. So um, speaking with clients, interacting with clients, um, interacting in the courtroom and with colleagues a lot, um, really, I, I liked a lot. So I went that way. Yeah, perfect. So you said you went back, well, we now discussed that you've gone back to law as a mature age student. Obviously, I'm assuming your experience would have been vastly different as a mature age student as it would have been someone fresh out of high school. So how did it differ for you? What did you see that was different coming into it with, I guess, a more mature perspective, having been out in industry and coming back to study, particularly an intensive, time-intensive degree like law as well? So for you, what was different about your experience? Um, Well, as I mentioned, when I did my business degree, I was fresh out of high school. So I was very social. Um, I didn't take it particularly seriously. Um, I lived with my parents, so you know, having a part-time job was fine, but you didn't need to pay rent. You didn't have a mortgage. You didn't have family expenses. So you could just kind of study when you wanted to, have a casual job, work when you wanted to, and it wasn't as serious for me. It was one of the best experiences of my life, my business undergrad. Um, But coming back as a mature age student, I had responsibilities. I had a mortgage, I had family expenses, um, and I still had a job. I worked at least three days a week, which I found difficult. Um, studying full-time as well, a law degree. Um, so I was, it, it was difficult, but it, I was more sensible about my approach, I think. Yeah. And I think that's, there are some students, particularly studying law, that, that do try and dabble in a bit of everything. And quite often burnout is, is a big thing that I've seen, particularly with law students. So how did you manage to, to get through and, and succeed and, and do your law degree well? having having those other competing priorities and those sorts of things? I think um, having a really good friendship base is really important. Having peers and friends who are doing the same degree as you is really important because it's hard to know someone's experience without perhaps experiencing it yourself. So other law students and having little study groups and those sorts of things was amazing for me. I'm still friends with my friends that I made at uni now. Um, they practice in different areas, but I still talk to them often about, you know, if I've got a little personal injuries issue and my family law issue, then I can call them. But they were very helpful for me because it is stressful and study groups are great, um, especially ex- around exam time. So that was of real assistance to me. So thinking about your current practice or even the experiences that you've had in your previous life in HR, what for you stands out as, I guess, a bit of a career highlight and something that you either think back on and either feel quite proud of or something that was, you know, something that was memorable? It's tough. Uh, I think doing your first court appearance by yourself is always something that's very memorable. Um, you prepare and prepare and prepare and you think you've got all the arguments that the judge would ever ask you about under wrap and then you get in there and the judge asks you a different question and you've got to think on your feet. And it's stressful. But once you do it and you are successful, 
then it's a rush. It's amazing. It's the best feeling. How um, long did it take you to, to get past that, do you think? You still, you, I don't think you do. Um, you're still a bit nervous going into court. You're still a bit nervous going into mediations. I've been practicing six years now and that feeling still doesn't go away. Um, I don't think you ever want to get complacent though. You want to prepare, you want to do your best. And if you're not nervous, then perhaps you're not doing it as well as you probably should be. Yeah, sure. Okay. Because yeah, I always think that would be the most daunting part of practice, particularly that initial jumping up in front of um, the courtroom for the first time. It would kind of almost be doing a speech for the first time. Or I I can even think back to when students, uh, me as a student, you know, getting up and doing the, the the speeches in front of classes and those sorts of things, let alone going out and, and that being your first experience as well. Thinking about your, your previous history and looking at your time in practice, what do you think either from your own practice, but looking at others as well, what do you think makes a good practitioner? What makes either a good family lawyer or, or a good lawyer in general, do you think? Um, I think patience, definitely. Uh, it's a difficult job. You'll have difficult clients. Um, you'll have difficult opponents. So patience, very necessary. Um, being prepared all of the time is a must. You can't just go to a court appearance or a mediation or anything without knowing your file, knowing the details, having a summary. Um, I think also being aware that you're not going to be right all the time and you're not going to know everything all the time. It's really important because the law is always changing, the case law is always changing, um, the rules are always changing and you need to be up on it. So you need to be willing to continuously learn and not just rest on your laurels. And how does that work, Vic, when you've got you know clients sitting in front of you? Obviously, it's quite emotionally charged often in family law as well. How do you deal with those tricky questions where you may not necessarily have the answer? Because obviously, they're looking at you as the, the knower of all and being able to provide them with the answers that they're not able to. So how, how do you go with juggling those moments? It's important to say that, you know, you don't know right now, but you will. And talk to them about the, the area surrounding their questions. So if, if their question's probably about a relocation of a child or parenting matter like that, they look, you know these things and these are the basic principles, but you've asked a pretty curly question. So just leave it with me leave it with me for today and I'll get back to you tomorrow and I'll write you an advice. So I think being honest about that is important. You don't want to give the wrong advice at all, ever. Yeah. So I think one of, it's one of those key things that I've noticed as a career practitioner as well, working with uh, young law professionals as well, having to have the right thing to say immediately and, and having the answers is something that fills a lot of beginning or students with a, a great deal of anxieties. So Victoria, there seems to be a great deal of emphasis recently, particularly of COVID, about the changes that's been brought about by the use of technologies to to make our roles more accessible during a pandemic and the lasting effects that it might have on various professions. How do you think technology and its adoption quite quickly will or may not affect your area of practice? Um, I think that technology has assisted us in streamlining our practices. So we can do video conferencing now. Other courts do video conferencing. I think that's been of great assistance. We used to run paper file. We now run electronic files with the courts. So that's been of great assistance as well. Um, In terms of whether or not um, technology will perhaps devalue us as practitioners, um, in family law, I 
I just don't think that will happen. It's a really emotional space. Um, it's emotionally driven. So if you tell someone a fact, they will probably challenge you because we see the best people at their worst times, they're losing their money, they're losing their children. It's really difficult and it's very emotional. So I think that us as practitioners, especially family law practitioners, you have to be sensitive to that and you need to counsel and help your clients through the process. I, I just can't see yeah, it happening. Yeah, sure, sure. And I guess going back to your area, when your time when you were studying, um, and you were talking about, you know, being a mature age student and those sorts of things. What sort of experiences did you seek or were you able to get while you were actually studying? Like, did you do any volunteering work? Did you get any legal service work? That sort of stuff. Yes, I did um, get some volunteering work at Caxton Legal Centre. I would highly, highly, highly recommend anybody doing that, just volunteering for a little bit of time in perhaps a legal centre or a law firm generally, if you can manage it. Um, I got my first job from my volunteer work at Caxton. I met a lawyer um, there and they were looking to hire, so I obtained employment from that. But if you don't know of Caxton Legal Centre, Caxton Legal Centre provides um, free advice to um, people who can't afford a private lawyer. They're only short sessions, 15 minutes to half an hour sessions, and very senior solicitors and barristers um, provide that legal advice. So it's an excellent networking opportunity if you can manage to go to one of those legal services. And it's for everything, Vic. So in terms of, it's not just about family law, it's kind of any kind of legal matters as well. So all students that are studying and interested in different areas of law, there would potentially be something for them there? Well, that's right. They do commercial, um, they do a lot of everything, but that's how I got into family law is because I um, volunteered on a night that did uh, family law matters and I really, really enjoyed it and I liked the practitioners and so I got into it. So that could have been one of the key things that sort of flipped you into family law potentially? It definitely was, yes. Yeah. And I think that's really important for the listeners is that those undertaking those experiences can quite often change the trajectory that you think you're on. Yeah, definitely. And in saying that, I would also recommend... Um, don't choose electives that are, if you think that you're going to perhaps do industrial relations, don't choose all electives um, that will get you to that end result because it might be that when you come out of it, you want to do something else. And then you've really pigeonholed yourself in terms of just a, a, a little bit of knowledge or a small knowledge base of, of the different area that you might want to go into. So Vic, just touching on something that you said earlier about, you know, you got your first experience or your first job through a network that you gained at Caxton Legal. Um, how important do you think networking is to your profession? Very important. Um, you can go to family law events. Um, you, there are lots of different societies in, I'm assuming, the different practice areas. So we have the Family Law Council. We have the Family Law Practitioners Association. You can become members. Um, they hold little gatherings and you get to know your colleagues, which is great. You get to talk about... Um, the new cases that come out or the new rules that have come out and it's important to be able to talk to your colleagues about those sorts of areas. So is it safe to say that you dodge the typical graduate recruitment then having to go through the really intensive interviews sending off cover letters and those sorts of things like through your contacts where you obviously you didn't have to physically apply to something that was advertised? Well I started off um, in that firm but I have since moved um, so when I was applying for another job I had to go through that process. I did go through a recruitment agent um, 
But yes, we still had to do cover letters and resumes and send them out. I did a couple of my myself, and yes, the interview processing, all that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I think just with the whole networking process, quite often. Uh, it's incredibly valuable, A, to, to get to know people in the industry, but also then quite often it can make the recruitment process a little bit easier and maybe less daunting to, to what a lot of younger students expect, where it's very clinical. You know, they go through those, the steps of having to send off a resume, having to go through multiple interviews and those sorts of things. So networking, I think, is, is one of those key things that we need to become fairly um, confident with. Um, and particularly by the sounds of it, in, in law, it's important to have those contacts as well. Mm, I think so. So if you were to talk to yourself or sit yourself down as a beginning student, whether it be in your business degree or maybe when you've come back to study law, what sort of advice would you have given yourself if you had your time again? I'd probably just say, just do what you did. Be smart about your time management skills. Um, study hard. Uh, develop those study groups. Make friends with your um, fellow students because you will be friends with them when you do work in the industry and they will be helpful in the future. And they kind of understand the you know, billing requirements and how, how practices work and law firms work. So if you do have a little bit of a grievance and you need to have a bit of a chat, they're always there and they understand. So Victoria, just to wrap up, I guess through looking at your own experience or watching those within your profession, what for you is a career hack that you would share with our students listening now? So what's something that you would suggest is a no-brainer for them to, to try and set up or do? I think if you're in a role, seek out a mentor. Um, very, very important. You need to develop a good practice and a good skill set and if you're learning from someone who have has those skills um, it will just make you a better practitioner so I think having a mentor is incredible and even if it's not someone in your law firm perhaps it's a friend or a family member um, someone through the university anyone like that um, I think definitely seek one out yeah sure so in your experience how, how were you able to secure a mentor I was lucky in that in, on both occasions um, I've had two mentors in my career. Both have been my bosses. So I've been extremely lucky in that respect. Um, whilst I was at uni, um, I sought the advice and counsel from my dad's friend um, who was a lawyer and would ask him lots of questions. So I was in, in my practice. I was very lucky that they were my bosses. But um, I th think that you can ask the university to perhaps provide you with those sorts of experiences. I think that they've got mentorship programs and things like that. And I think networking as well is not necessarily one of those formal things. Like you said, you reached out to one of your dad's friends. And um, I speak to students all the time and I'm always dumbfounded by the fact I say to them, you know, what sort of networking have you done? So, well, I go to networking events. And I was like, well, what about your friends, family members, aunties, uncles, next door neighbours, those sorts of things. And there's almost a reluctance to, to call in favours from, from those things. So it is really important to actually not just think about networking as a formal going to a, an event with a, a cocktail in your hand and, and trying to schmooze people with business cards. I think it's definitely really valuable to, to look at the your social networks as well. I think so too. And I think people really want to share, share their experiences. You know, it's difficult coming up sometimes. And um, I would, you know, if someone asked me, I'd be more than happy to share my experiences, I guess, as I'm doing now. But I be confident, ask people because they will want to help you.
if someone was wanting to reach out to say you, what would be, and this is more how to connect with industry, what do you think, particularly maybe in the law field, what would be the best way to go about networking? Would it be LinkedIn or would it be going to specific events? Like what do you think for students? Um, I think LinkedIn's a good uh, as a good tool, yes. Um, I have spoken to quite a few um, law students, but I've spoken to them and gotten to know them from you know my mum or a friend's friend or it's mostly through just friends and family that I've I've got to know these people. LinkedIn is brilliant for for reaching out to people, particularly if you're not looking for a job. And I think quite often the mistake that's being made, and I don't know if you've had this in your own experiences as well as students maybe potentially approaching you going, hey, how do I get a job with you? Or can can I get an experience with you? Do you think that's probably the easiest way to burn a potential contact? I think that perhaps asking if they if that practitioner is willing to meet up for a coffee perhaps and to have an understanding of their experiences and how they got their first job or how they got into the industry that they're in. I think that's probably the best way to look at it and approach it as opposed to straight off the bat, I'm looking for a job, can you help me? So it's like like a first date rather than asking for marriage straight away, you get to know (laughs) them first. Cool. All right. Thank you very much. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Victoria, I'd like to thank you for coming in today. It's been brilliant to listen to uh, your previous background, but also where you are now. And and five years in, obviously you're enjoying it. I am. um, Hopefully we're able to to have you in front of our students again in the future. Um, But yeah, thank you very much for coming in today. Thanks for having me.